Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and hello to everybody. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with Seeds of Wisdom, Insight, Empowerment, and Liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and empowering you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do so. Uh, go to our Facebook page, Facebook page, <laughs> Facebook face. Go to our Facebook page, social media there, the Zira Network on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Zira Radio on Twitter. Hit me up on email, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com. Um, and if you are listening live, you can call three four seven two three seven. Uh, five two three zero. My mind is drawing a blank for whatever reason. Anyway, yes, I'm home, and you hear the little dude in the background. He'll be making whatever noise he makes. <laughs> We're just excited to be uh, able to do the show today. We've had a lot going on, so we haven't been able to do the show, and we're going to try to make up for as much time as we can. I I, I don't know if I'm gonna play backup or catch up rather. But I, I do have a couple of things that I want to talk about I think are very interesting and uh, very relevant to what we are experiencing today. Uh, it's, we're uh, just about two weeks away, under two weeks away from the election, and uh, there's a debate going on this evening before between both candidates. Trump and Biden, and there's been so much craziness. You know, there's a there was a a story about Trump, <laughs> another sexual misconduct story that was leaked. Of course, there was uh, the emails from Biden's son Hunter, yeah, the computer that was. Um, as I understand it, it was left at a shop and never picked it up, and the person turned it over to the FBI. The FBI sat on this and until recently. 
and somehow the guy leaked it to uh, I, I want to say it was Rudy Giuliani or someone. In, anyway, it got leaked, and the the computer has been validated, and the emails have been verified that they did come from uh, Biden's son. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there. And <laughs> this is kind of like a replay of 2016 with Hillary Clinton in the emails, <laughs> and now you have Biden and his son's emails, and it's this is just crazy. This is the this is the most insane election cycle I have ever seen. And by entire adult voting life. But that does not mean that you do not go out and vote. Please, if you are a registered voter, go out and vote. Vote your principles, vote your values. Don't give in to the pandering that's happening. Uh, Be an informed voter. Um, Early voting is happening now in a lot of states. So if you... If that is available in your state, go out and vote. Um, I know there's some concern about mail-in voting, but if that's an option in your state and you feel more comfortable in that manner, do it. Um, If you are not able to vote in person, vote absentee. If you have a valid reason to vote absentee. Uh, here in Mississippi, you know, you're allowed to vote absentee. That does not count as early voting. Early voting. Get out to vote. It's very important. And um, while while I'm talking about voting, you've got to remember that that this the dissonance in this country is so large. And it's so divisive that it's 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 damaging. I read a, just read a story this week about a pastor. Let me pull it up from Christian Post. It's about a pastor who has decided that he cannot serve his people congregation in uh, this in this environment because. Uh, he says Christians are not holding the president accountable. Let me read this real quick. A pastor of a Christian Reformed congregation in Michigan has left the ministry due to his belief that the church is too supportive of President Trump. Now, this is really it's, it's really critical because for the last four years, and I I can't explain it, but a large seemingly large portion of evangelical Christians, white evangelical Christians, let me be more clear on that, uh, have been um, staunch supporters of the president in spite of his immorality. Eight years ago, they were citing uh, President Obama's seemingly lack of the zeal for faith or Christian faith in particular uh, as a disqualification for him being president. Some attacked him and some tried to label him as a Muslim 
and saying that because he was a member of Jeremiah Wright's church, Trinity Church there in Chicago, Illinois, that uh, he had to be a socialist, communist, anti-American, and they 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 literally tried to crucify uh, Dr. Wright because of uh, some leaked audio from one of his sermons where he where he said, "Not God bless America, but God damn America." And, and mind you, uh, they didn't even put it within the context of the entire message. But it was a good soundbite that that they used to discredit him as a pastor, as a preacher, and everything. Now I've long admired uh, Dr. Wright and still do. Uh, and it's just amazing to me the 180 that they have done. And I, I'm speaking in general. I'm really speaking in general regarding these uh, white Christian evangelicals. Now, I I fit into the category of an evangelical Christian, but I I my whole issue with President Trump, and I've I've gone on record said this on an, over the years. I believe he's probably the most immoral president we've had. Immoral, I mean the fact that this <laughs> he's he's thrice divorced. He made his reputation by being a New York socialite, which included, you know, the 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 the, uh, the adultery and all of that stuff, staying in the high, staying in the headlines for that. And to see many Christ, many Christian pastors, uh, particularly uh, Jeffers and um, who else? Um, Graham, Franklin Graham, and the now uh, shamed president of Liberty University, Falwell, Jerry Falwell Jr., uh, to see them push so great support for for a man such as Trump, who goes against the entirety of what they're supposed to be representing as Christian evangelicals or evangelical Christians. So it, it just flies in the face. But we've since discovered that probably some of them supported him because, you know, they enjoyed his his lifestyle and they wanted to they or if they didn't enjoy it, they wanted to. <laughs> but anyway. So I I I, I I don't support the president because of secretly from the moral perspective. I greatly admire what he's done. He got I'll give him credit for what he's done. I'm not going to take that away from him. But uh for the longest uh the president of the United States has given the imagery of a moral upright individual. Now we know they haven't been, but it's the perception and he just blew that out of the water. He's like, I don't care. I'm not trying to please the people. I'm just trying to do the job. But he's a populist masquerading as a conservative. What else need to hear over there? But anyway, uh, get back to the story real quick. States that um, 
He left the church because the church has abandoned his role in not holding Trump more accountable. He, he quotes Martin Luther in this when he said, the church must be reminded that it is not the master of the or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. That's what Mark, Dr. King said. And he's like, if it's functioning more like an agent of the state, then it is not the church. Can't be. Now, I, I I guess it was a bold move for him, a courageous move. But for me, I would have, and as I do, uh, I don't mind speaking truth to power. I pastor in a congregation in a, in, in the denomination that is unabashedly <laughs> Democrat leaning. <laughs> That's just the reality. We black folk, we more likely gonna vote Democrat. Uh, and but I have no problem uh, expressing the fact that when it comes to certain policies and issues, I look at it from the perspective of Scripture, and if it doesn't align with Scripture, I will not support it. And unfortunately, most of those policies are being presented by the Democratic Party. That's all I'm saying. Um, so I, I'm not going to leave my church, though, unless they become a complete agent of the Democratic Party, where they begin to say, if you're a preacher in our denomination, you have to uh, observe these particular positions politically, then I definitely would leave. But that's the good thing about being uh, <laughs> a man of the of the cloth. You, you know, you get your rec- you get your credentials from a denomination, but you get your calling from the Lord. So pray for Keith Mans is the pastor there at uh, uh, East Saga Talk Christian Reform Reform Church. Um, as he, I guess, takes a new role somewhere else. And you know, it, it, it's just interesting because 2020 has, has been a, an interesting year. Uh, the news that came out. Just the other day, regarding Pope Francis, lets me know that we are in a very unique moment in history. Pope Francis recently came out endorsing same-sex civil unions for couples. Now, now there's a difference. He did not endorse same-sex marriage, but same-sex civil unions. Now, this is this is interesting because. What he is basically saying and acknowledging is that the church has homosexuals in it. And (laughs) because they have same loving individuals in it, the Pope is now recognizing that, acknowledging that, and saying that the church would uh, recognize. And what he says basically is that Homosexual people have a right to be in a family. They are children of God and have a right to a family. Nobody should be thrown out or made miserable over it. And this is coming from a documentation documentary that is uh, being filmed called Francisco. Uh, yeah, Francesco. And it's about 
Pope Francis and his coming up in the church and the rise to election as the Pope. And this is what um, he says. What we have to create is a civil union law. That way they are legally covered. I stood up for that, Francis, whose comments came as he reflected on pastoral care for those who identify as LGBT. I have always been for civil unions for same sex. I've never been against that because I strongly believe just as um, heterosexual couples you know that's something that needs to be addressed if you're not going to be married if you're not going to get married and if your significant other person has a health crisis or has some other issue they you need to be able to at least give some sense of care to that that individual and um a civil union provides that opportunity and just like Pope Francis I, I agree with I, I agree with the fact that everybody who has a family has a right to have a family you know, I, I, it's the same argument with the same sex adoption I, I don't see what the problem is now you could argue uh, regarding the biblical uh substance of same sex attraction and all of that and I, I'm not getting into that argument. I'm I'm speaking literally from uh, a secular perspective and how that plays into our religious community. Yeah. Well I'm I'm gonna take a quick break and when I come back on this other side I'm I'm gonna explore that a little further as well as get into the main topic of the day. So we're going to take a quick, quick uh, break, and we'll be back right after this. You may find it hard to believe, but at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. That's why I joined the family at Legal Shield. Legal Shield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to Legal Shield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, 
but with their ID shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield? Yeah, they pretty much cover the plan by itself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs, and I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you did. So if you're not aware, I am a very, very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare, and it's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned – I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, on my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine, photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of. You can find it on Skillshare. So, and I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna really love it. It's it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you'll you'll love it. You'll greatly greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com/slash/zero-today-radio. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo O'Neill. Thank you so much for thinking that our robbery joined me this morning. Um, right before the break, we were talking about Pope Francis, and we were talking about his uh, recognition of same-sex unions as the Catholic Church now will be recognizing. And, and what I wanted to say before I had to take that break was Pope Francis, before while he was serving in South America, and as he's serving as the archbishop down there or the cardinal down there, um, when I think it was Argentina, Argentina voted to approve same-sex marriages in 2010, he opposed it. And he he opposed it not because he didn't want that to happen. I mean, he didn't he – didn't, 
uh, approve of same-sex couples or something like that. Let me let me be clear. Uh, he advocated for same-sex unions to block same-sex marriage because in his mind, uh, he understood that the church teaches uh, respect for homosexuals. But he also, the church also teaches that respect for homosexual persons can't lead in any way to approval of homosexual behavior or to legal recognition of homosexual marriage. But the law uh, and, and the coming good of humanity recognizes the law. And he sees the law separate from the church. It, it, you know, it's a, a good question about this separation of church and state that we have here in the states. And why, when 2015, when the Supreme Court uh, ruled in favor of same-sex marriage, and it basically, in essence, became law, that, that was the secular concept uh, concept of being able to enjoy the benefits of of a spouse that most civil unions the civil unions didn't provide. States were you know doing the civil union things. Some of them have been doing it for for years prior to the Supreme Court ruling in it. It still did not give the full value of the relationship. Now we have same sex laws and Recently, Judge Clarence Thomas and um, a couple other justices kind of looked at it and said, we may have made a mistake by uh, by this ruling because what we're seeing now is uh, – how can I put it? How, let, me, let me find the story so I can quote it right. I want to – I, I, I was going to talk about this uh, a week before last, whenever it came out. Uh, but anyway, Clarence Thomas was was thinking about maybe if this comes back to the court, they may rule differently on it. But that's not um, anything. That's not going to happen anytime soon. The other, the other thing uh, about this that makes it really interesting is the fact, and I'm going back to Pope Francis here, is the fact that by acknowledging same-sex civil unions, the supposedly next gradual step will be recognizing, one, the ability for Roman Catholic clergy to eventually have some type of, of union. Now, with the with the scandals that's been happening with these priests, I doubt if they'll allow it for for priests. But there's still a a, a call for the allowance of Roman Catholic priests to mar- to marry. We'll see what happens with that. Will Will he be the Pope that allows that? That would be worth that would be worth it. Anyway, so let me move on to this last this last segment because I don't have a lot of time. 
and I really want to spend a lot of time on this. Also, I want to invite you to check out my YouTube channel, uh, Dr. Lorenzo Deal on YouTube, and uh, look at the videos there. If you're not a patron, I want to invite you to go to patreon.com and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month and support what we do here on the Zero Today Show. Now, Ice Cube has been in the news lately, and we talked about him before, uh, but he he <laughs> he's catching hell, and I do mean that, for putting together a what he called a contract with Black America that he lobbied to both parties. And both campaigns and well one campaign said we'll listen to you the other campaign said we'll listen to you after we win the election and he went with the one who was listening to him right now and that just happened to be uh, President Trump's campaign anyway he put together he and several others put together what he called the contract with black America specifically detailing issues that need to be addressed to Black descendants of slaves, or American descendants of slaves, the ADOS, and I've talked about that before, and that's a rising population, a movement rather, uh, for those. Look, here's the thing: because there are black folk, and then there are people who are black, and then there are people of color who get lumped in with black folk and people who are black. And so to non-black folk, we're all the same. So that's that's how it was seen. That's why Barack Obama gets credited as being black when he's biracial. Or somebody like Rachel Dozel can pass for black when she's fully white. <laughs> but there's a specific group, American descendants of slaves. Those black people who can trace their lineage back to those Persons who were slaves. Anyway, so he he talked about this on CNN, and and I watched this interview with him and Chris Cuomo on CNN, and he said the plan that he put together this contract with Black America was to address the racial inequality and a couple other issues that uh, he sees a major concern. In the country And he's like I'm not He's he's, He comes across as apolitical But he's like I don't care about a party I'm just about this plan This is all I'm about But the funny thing is yeah, Black people and white people Coming at him Because black people Who grew up listening to him Rap against the police you know, F the police and uh, rap with the NWA and all of this stuff. And to see him play a police officer in movies, <laughs> I like that. And to see him kind of become a conformed black man. Now he, you know, he he's gone from the the gangster to the corporate yuppie, but he's not. I'm just using that analogy. And he's like, for those of us who are descendants of of slaves. We've been neglected by both parties. 
they they come every election cycle. They say what they're going to do, and they never do it. They make these promises, and they never do it. And even with the Black Lives Matter movement, following the shootings of Mike Brown and uh, George Floyd, not the shooting, but the death of George Floyd, and, and particularly in this in this current movement, politicians have been just doing and saying a lot. The abolish the police movement, defund the police movement, and and everybody knows they ain't gonna do it. They're not gonna do it because because they don't want to. But they come out saying they're gonna do it because it sounds good. They know people are gonna believe that they are sincere in it, and they may be sincere, but they you know politicians are politicians. But anyway, he he goes on this interview with Chris Cuomo and basically says, look. Both campaigns contacted me. Both campaigns wanted to talk. Uh, but one campaign said, we love what you want, and we're going to get with you after the election. The other one said, we love what you want. We're going to get with you right now. Which one do you think he went with? The one who said, we'll get with you right now. Now, the counter argument to the one that said that they wouldn't get with him until after the election is because uh, – they're they're trying to be strategic. They say we don't have power right now. We don't control. We control the house, but we don't control the senate or the presidency. But if the election goes the way we want, we can control the house, the senate, and the presidency, and then we have the power to be able to do something. But we know historically that never happens because everybody's agenda comes before ours when it comes to black people and politicians. Um, it was more imperative in 1964 for Lyndon Johnson follow through with John F. Kennedy's press for civil rights. It was politically expedient. It hurt him politically because he was a Southern Democrat, which is pretty much the equivalent today of Southern Republican. But he did it because, one, it was politically expedient. Two, it was a quill of the storm of racial injustice and violence that was happening at the time. And three, he knew that it would make him look good. Whether people liked it or not, he knew that it would gain favor with with black folk. And matter of fact, he's credited as saying, whether this is true or not, he's credited as saying that uh, we've got their votes now. For the next forty years, I know something to that nature, and which has been true, you know, because since that, a large majority of blacks who once voted majority Republican, up until the mid '60s, now began to vote Democrat, and not only did they vote Democrat, but they were being elected uh, into office on the Democrat ticket. That's changed now. You know, a lot of blacks are becoming more independent and, you know, some folk are, what they say, coming off the Democrat plantation. But the the idea is more blacks are becoming more aware of their political power and influence and that they don't have to be allied with any party. And this is what Q was presenting. He said he he wants to be very direct and very specific and explicit in what he wants to see happen. 
with black communities. He wants to close the wealth gap. He wants to uh, see those who don't have money not be disrespected. He um, he said specifically, and this is what I admire about. He said we got to get black people to have more capital. If you have more capital, you can do more things, and that's true. We don't have enough black-owned banks. We don't have enough. We got plenty of black-owned businesses, but think about it. Think about the majority of black-owned businesses. What are they? They are barber and beauty shops and restaurants. That is the majority of black-owned businesses. Barber and beauty shops and restaurants. We have not branched out into retail, and there are a few that uh, have retail stores. I have a frat brother who owns a retail store, suit store, clothing store uh, in Arkansas. I have another friend who owns a car dealership, and uh, he he's just doing very well. Both of them doing very well. And, and that's that's the thing, capital investment. Now, a lot of black folk own property. You know, we own rental property, and that's making money for us, but we're not developing you know, we're not real estate developers. We're not going out into the places and seeing the land, purchasing the land and building, you know, building entire communities like we used to do. I, uh, I, when I was growing up, I was listening to my grandparents and great grandparents uh, at the turn of the 20th century. My great grandparents uh, relatives were starting churches. They started at least three churches that are still alive and thriving in my hometown. And around those churches, communities were built. For example, uh, my family home church, Riverside and Bright Oak Baptist churches, were both started by the same individual. Uh, started by the same individual in the same community that was eventually became known as the Bright Oak community. Right? Now the black the Bright Oak community does not exist anymore. It, I mean as as the town expanded, they pushed those folk out and pushed them to another community. But the churches still exist. Both of them still exist. And that's the kind of kind of thing that we lose out we have lost out on the communities that were built around the churches and not only the communities that were built around the churches but the businesses that were built around the churches and the community that caused the black community to be semi-independent still had to go to the big big part of the town for the groceries but for the most part you know you had the individual groceries you had your individual shops. You had the funeral homes. You had all of that stuff confined to one particular community, and we've lost that. We've lost that. And getting capital means that we can be more empowering when it comes to simple stuff as uh, local community, when it comes to, like, city zoning. We have an issue right now where residents in my community are dealing with a zoning issue. Why are we able to to address it specifically because we recognize the value of the property owners and rezoning one property for one specific thing would do more damage to the property owners. 
that's a whole lot different. But anyway, you know, he talks about he, he talks about we need to have capital or we wouldn't be able to survive in America like this. And that's a quote that he uh he did. I'm a, I'm gonna play this that he he said some time ago. Well, he talks about, you know, what they got for us. You know, what's in it for us? Take a listen, and then I'm going to come back and provide some commentary. So, over the last four days, the Democratic National Party held a convention. A lot of people, you know what I mean, getting up there and talking, and, you know, everybody really, you know, Eating it up, you know, throwing their hands in the air like they just don't care damn near. So it's, it's uh, you know, what I didn't hear is what's in it for us? What's in it for the black community besides the same old thing we've been getting from these um, parties? What's in it for us for real? You know, um, I didn't hear anybody mention a contract with black America. And I don't know why, because it's one of the most comprehensive um, reform uh, documents that's come about in a long time that can really address the problem. The way it look, they don't have a plan. Everybody's, you know, talking about Get Trump out, get Trump out, get Trump out. If you vote, that, that's going to happen in, on the first day. So now what? Trump out, now what? What? What do we get in the first 100 days? That's what we're trying to figure out. What do we actually get that we that they could give us overnight like that? They just pulled... $3 trillion out their ass and gave it to their friends. That's American taxpayer money. That's your money that they just gave away. And then there's half, 42% of black businesses closing. None of that money. Where's where's our fucking bailout? Now, I just played that quick clip. Did you hear the, what he said? Even if the Democrat Party win. If they win the House, if they win the uh, Senate, and they win the presidency, the question he asks is what are they going to do within the first 100 days? Trump's out, and y'all could talk about Trump. He's gone. Now what are you going to do? What is Biden and Harris going to do in the first 100 days for black folk? And, and then I, I really here, – here he talks about – the stimulus package that was given and that we all benefited from. I got my $1,200 and I know some of y'all wanted to get some more money. But then he said, think about it, 43% of black businesses that have closed their doors because of the pandemic. Think about the number of businesses that are on the threshold of closing, black business that are on the threshold of closing because of this. Either way, Cube is asking one simple question. What y'all going to do for us? That's what the black contract, the contract with black America is. And President Trump, 
took this integrated into his campaign as the platinum plan, and this is what he said: three million jobs for blacks, uh, five hundred five hundred thousand new businesses, um, bringing better tailored health care to black communities, funding for HBCUs, more funding because he's been doing that, uh, owners, home ownership. He wants to advance home ownership. He wants to improve the opportunity for uh, new home buyers. And, and of course, he's been pushing this education, school choice, and all of that. But in essence, he took what was presented by Ice Cube and other black thought leaders and said, "We'll, we'll, we'll find a way to work this. And not only will we find a way to work this into our campaign, but to implement it as policy if we're reelected. Now, Trump has, over the last four years, pretty much kept to his word about what he said he was going to do. Crazy as it sounds, he's pretty much done a lot of it. Some of it has been ethically questionable as how it's been gone about, but he's stuck to his guns, I guess you could say. Now, this is by no means... A promotion of Trump or an endorsement of Trump or anything like that. I'm just going by the elements of what he's presented over the last four years versus the rhetoric of what other the other party is saying. They're just saying, and they have a record for the most part of not following through. And Republicans, it's just as worse, just as bad, if not worse. Either way, as black folk. As black church folk, you ain't got to commit your vote to nobody but yourself and uh, and the Lord. <laughs> and you have to be really serious about this election cycle. How is it going to really benefit you? Think about that. Uh, think about the cities that have been held by uh, leadership in both parties and how they fare and think about um, – the policies over the last four years, or oh, not policies, but uh, the bills that have have been passed favorably towards black community. And trust me, if you do enough research, you'll find that there has not been much. And that's what you should take in consideration as you go and cast your ballot. That's the issue, and that's what we're trying to promote. Anyway. I've run out of time. Uh, thank you for listening so much. Again, I want to invite you to go to the Zero Network on Facebook. Like that page. Listen to all the archive shows there. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter if you are not doing so. Zero Radio is the handle. At Lorenzo T. Neal is my personal handle. I invite you to do that. Also, if you are not a patron, go to patreon.com. Slash Lorenzo T. Neal, become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Port helps me keep this show going and anything else I do. And and if you haven't done so, do it. Check out my website, LorenzoTNeal.com. Listen to our new podcast, the Be Your Differentiated Self podcast. We have an episode that will be coming out shortly and all of that. I think I've run out of time and run out of breath. <laughs> anyway, you guys have a wonderful day. Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and I am out. Peace.